Welcome everyone to the Watchmen podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial podcast for Watchmen on HBO. My name is Matt, and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. Hello, Matt. Hello, everyone. The Watchmen podcast by Fantastic Geek revisits Chapter 3, The Judge of All the Earth. Before we jump into that, Pete, as we predicted, or at least as we intuited based on some some secret, advanced, sketchy knowledge on interwebs. Uh, the series premiere of Watchmen on HBO, Sunday, October 20th. And uh, now we have a set number of minutes with which we can tick our clock too. Long overdue. And uh, it's it's happening, Matt. This is, this is real. We're closer. But are we even closer than that? Well, with New York Comic Con approaching in about a month's time, we certainly do hope that uh, there'll be some sort of Watchmen presence there. Hey, I don't know, maybe a Sunday afternoon panel at the Hulu Theater at Madison Square Garden would be just about perfect for us, universe, if you're taking suggestions. I mean, come on. Damon Lindelof, born in Teaneck, New Jersey, the same place I was born, right over the George Washington Bridge, would be an ideal place to drop that pilot, to get that buzz. You know, we talked in his letter that we read uh, a couple episodes back about Comic-Con experience and, you know, both positively and negatively that he had had vis-a-vis Watchmen and and what a way to, to bring it all back and connect it. Well, let's take it back to our focus for today. We're talking chapter three of the graphic novel. Its summary from the wiki at watchmen.fandom.com is as follows. The opening image, a trefoil symbol that represents radioactivity. Symbol is on a sign reading Fallout Shelter. The characters of the news vendor and the young boy are reading the pirate comic. Lori has an argument with Dr. Manhattan, who is becoming more distant with her. She visits Dan while Dr. Manhattan makes a rare public appearance on a talk show. Dan and Lori head out for the night and are attacked by thugs. Their crime-fighting training proves handy as they make quick work on their attackers. Meanwhile, a reporter from the Nova Express accuses Dr. Manhattan of giving various forms of cancer to those who got close to him. When the issue is pressed by the media, Dr. Manhattan becomes angered. In an outburst, he teleports everyone in the television studio into a nearby parking lot. The story is instantly a top priority amongst news stations. Dr. Manhattan informs the army he's leaving for Mars. He then transports himself to an abandoned shack, taking a photograph of a man and a woman at a carnival. After briefly staring at it, he leaves Earth. His departure is a startling message through various news sources, as well as word that Russia has invaded Afghanistan. Closing quotation, Shall not the judge of all the Earth do right? That's from Genesis chapter 18, verse 25. And the attached document is chapter 5 of Under the Hood, which describes the downfall of the Minutemen during the 1950s, along with the birth of new costumed vigilantes. This chapter has it all and sets up what is my favorite all-time issue of a comic book in the next one that we will look at. Uh, But we get the first introduction here of tales from the black freighter that immediately sets this chapter off differently. I mean, we've got the Institute for interspatial studies suddenly in the background 
the end is nigh. And then you consider the shocking yet appropriate number of sexual references here with a whiff of nostalgia. Well, I am not as big a fan of the Black Freighter stuff as you are. I understand its purpose. I understand it is a meta-narrative that ultimately is commenting on the the uh, twisted perspective of Vite, but he thinks he has not gone crazy much as the, the Mariner has in Black Freighter. I understand, too, that we're being terribly postmodern by by taking a, a, a genre and flipping it upwards and backwards and all through it. And I understand that within the world of Watchmen, they would not have the comic books of Superman and Batman for those are passe, given costume vigilantes, etc. But to me, it just kind of doesn't resonate emotionally for me. And it, to me, it's just a lot of set up to say aha we did a comic within a comic i'm alan moore and i'm also part wizard yes yes matt is not a fan of the black freighter we get it um but everything that this chapter does you know we we set up the intrigue with dr manhattan why is he going to mars now he's left this vacuum that the russians are going to attempt to take advantage of um, there's the really subtextual uh, situation with Lori and Dan on their walk here when they're attacked by the top knots all while the, uh, the Nova express the, the right wing rag is dragging Dr. Manhattan through the mud. I mean, it just continues. We continue on the ascent of the roller coaster here, Matt, when it comes to this graphic novel. I love in terms of uh, certainly Dave Gibbons's penciling. I don't know how much was uh, just, you know, merely drawing the words of Alan Moore, how much was, you know, kind of independent inspiration from Gibbons, but that attack scene uh, that Laurie and Dan, uh, you know, in which they fight back and just the, the, the the sexual subtext when they're done and they're panting and then mm-hmm. they shyly look away it's you know in a, in an issue in a in a chapter that has its own sexuality in other parts this is a scene that could have gone for more or this could have been when the spark was lit and you know bedclothes ruffled that kind of thing but instead it just kind of appears to us we get to see the spark which you know is rare. Normally, you feel the spark with that special someone, but then you kind of don't necessarily witness it in others. But we see it here, and that, of course, setting up uh, their their romance in the future. The setup with Jenny Slater and the then unseen reporter, and then the ambushing that goes on with the talk show. Uh, and everything that takes place there is just so well structured. And even looking at the couple pages where that's done, you know, we've got the panels to the left, uh, three uh, columns, uh, one column down, um, but but three images. And then, you know, you're juxtaposing that with uh, what Lori is going through currently with uh the former john osterman um 
you know, there, there's some of the quieter moments of this chapter, but really, really stand out in stark contrast. I have to wonder, too, in terms of thinking about uh, original intended message and how things change over time, you have in in those panels where Janie is uh, telling her story, and of course you intercut with, uh, with Lori leaving and all that, but you have Ms. Slater explaining the cause of her cancer as she loads up one of those, you know, uh, alternate future uh, cigarette tobacco holder things, and she's kind of puffing away there. I think she's there. vaping. <laughs> that, um, isn't she vaping? She, she's doing something that's now illegal, uh, banned in the state of Michigan. Thank well, God. <laughs> I think, I mean, whether whether it's through the most modern eyes of vaping or whatever, to me it always kind of looked like, kind of looked like a crack pipe. And I, again, I don't know what Moran <laughs> Gibbons's original intention was. Yeah, I mean, there's there's kind of this weird, you know, glass center to it that you put the tobacco in. I kind of like this take on it. Like, whatever, I'm dying of cancer. Whatever, <laughs> let's let's hit a crack pipe. <laughs> I well, I think that the I think that the the here's my kind of my my personal interpretation. I think that the cigarettes that people in Watchmen are smoking that have that kind of shape to them. Uh, to me, it's always been evocative of a harder drug, whether that, whether it's meant to be or not. Um, that was kind of always my take. And then to me, I guess through now, you know, kind of this, you know, current era that we're in, in terms of tobacco usage or certainly cigarette usage way down and, you know, no smoking inside and all that, that's kind of pretty uniformly adopted around the country. Um, I don't know. I just kind of look at this and go, yeah, it was, it was certainly Dr. Manhattan and not your smoking addiction. At least that's the flippant comment in my head. It probably also is the radioactive guy to be fair. Um, but uh, again, to me, there was a certain kind of sense of irony there. Uh, we also get some foreshadowing of much, much later in the graphic novel, uh, off to the side before Lori and Dan are accosted, there is a uh, cinema uh, poster for uh, the 1955 film This Island Earth, which, Matt, is about mind control, a brain reprogramming device. And, I mean, obviously the island literally the island of uh, artists and scientists to uh, be later introduced in the graphic novel here. Also, certainly the notion that the island of Earth, you know, Veidt's plan is for the island of Earth to recognize its commonality and to band together against the unseen, the, the unseen threat. From, I guess, that tranquil notion of the island Earth, uh, I want to return to something a bit more passion-filled here, uh, we see Dr. Manhattan going through a variety of actions in this episode. One, you know, the flesh. Uh, one, um, you know, getting dressed for the day, uh, being told that he's being broken up with, uh, and uh, the reveal of the, the cancer cluster around him, if you will. Uh, with most of those, there's very little passion, very little emotion elicited. I think it's noteworthy to say it's only really when that interview discussion turns to 
and look, Dr. Manhattan, you may have done something wrong. That's when he becomes flustered. That's when he becomes angry. That's when he, you know, wishes everybody into the cornfield or at the very least the parking lot outside. Right. And when you consider, too, how we go back and forth with the Black Freighter stuff and the news vendor and the boy reading it and using that as a means, as a location to bring in the Nova Express and to, to show us the news in real time as people are receiving it and everything like that. It's, it's timely, it's topic, but at the same time, it, it transcends. Transcendent two, I think, are the emotions that you have in Dr. Manhattan uh, once he once he leaves New York. It's the two times that he looks up, once from Earth looking to Mars, then once on Mars, kind of looking up to the great beyond, where there really is this sense of peace, of happiness, of solace, um, which makes sense for a variety of reasons and kind of where the character is headed and all that, but that final image that we get. And again, it's one that's, you know, certainly very aptly drawn. I think it's, um, it's something that if it was done nowadays, it might've been, you know, drawn on a tablet at a much higher resolution as opposed to the, uh, 18 by 24 or whatever the original, uh, you know, kind of pencil pages were. But in that final image there where he's just kind of sitting there pondering things, he does not look happy. He Mm -hmm. looks kind of troubled that, even without all of his troubles, uh, or at least the external troubles, that there there still is not peace and freedom. Yeah, even more so than the idea of indifference that's floated just a couple panels before. Um, so I think we've given this issue ample praise. I'm going to get my, my switchblade out, Matt, as I take it into the alley, because I think this third consecutive uh, bit in the supplementary material from under the hood is one too many. Uh, I think it has some good information in it, but I, I think even Pete in the last podcast, I may have referred to some of the information from the, you know, chapter three's extra info. I may have ported that over in my head. Uh, No better proof can I give then that it is a bit too much that they kind of all mixed together. Uh, I don't know that I love any of the ones after this more than having excerpts from this real fake real uh uh autobiography here but i think you're right that kind of the novelty has worn off at this point and it certainly is interesting universe filler an interesting tangent but there's certainly nothing in here that really is giving us a sense of uh, of information outside the text maybe with the exception of uh of this you know connection of hooded justice and wrestler rolf Mueller, were they the same man that certainly is a noteworthy connection to make but at the end of the day all right whether he was or he wasn't uh eh you know whether the comedian killed him or not eh it's just kind of external for external sake the thing I think it does successfully, and I can understand its reason for inclusion here and going back to the well this third time, is to get Hollis Mason into his position of retirement. Okay, there was an actual 
superhero in Dr. Manhattan, you know, that guy that's now disappeared. Um, so I hung it up, you know, I didn't need to do anything anymore. I could just tinker around and, and let, you know, the pros deal with it and, and not be a costumed adventurer anymore. To what end though? I mean, that's all nice to know. And again, I, well, most immediately, does this now give us crucial information to better know Hollis Mason? Well, no, he ends up, you know, not being, uh, made a more major character just because of this. I think that there is an argument to be made, you know, me sitting as somebody who, you know, had a whole, uh, had a whole senior thesis course on postmodern literature. So I, I feel like I'm on the one hand, pretty versed in it as a concept, uh, and thus, I guess, on the other hand, kind of prepared to say, I think sometimes postmodern literature is a catch-all for people to say, I did a weirdo thing that nobody else did. It's fantastic. Um, which, I, that's not to take away from the power of this novel, but, you know, some of these little corners here and there, oh man, Pete, I can't wait till we dig deep on Dan Dryberg's, uh, you know, uh, thesis on owls. Or is it just a, fancy deep dive on owls i don't know that it's ultimately <laughs> meta commentary though i think some of this stuff is parading as crucial meta commentary well matt you want deep dives you want meta commentary uh that is what the people of patreon.com slash fantastic geek regularly receive indeed pete they keep us going they keep us listener supported they keep us sustainable both with our back catalog and all our future endeavors obviously most immediately today thinking about our podcasting the nine episodes of the first season of watchmen on hbo so certainly our thanks to them and we do enjoy throwing up some bonus goodies up on the patreon page now and again everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content all it takes is a dollar to get you in that door and then the world mars could be yours well pete we love hearing from people who are listening to the podcast and we have uh, a tweet from a listener so pete here is that tweet you guys have a watchman podcast and are hating on Zack snyder i'm starting a captain america podcast by the way f the russo brothers uh, the writer of the tweet, old man Logan McLeod, also said, fans of your show and a fan of Snyder, so I'm pretty conflicted, dot, 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 generally. You start the podcast with Bob Dylan, exclamation point. Um, it's true, Pete. We do start the podcast with Bob Dylan. Listen, I'm, I'm not a complete hater of Zack Snyder's work. I think Watchmen is on the better end of the stuff that he's done, you know, the disastrous foibles he's made in the uh dc uh you know extended universe uh you know greater sins um but all right yeah i mean i think his watchman could have been a better movie and i think the decision to not go with the squid and to pin it on dr manhattan um as well as some other omissions really cost that opportunity and i mean thank goodness matt we're in a position now 10 years later nice round number where we're going to be returning to the watchman in a live action form but not honoring 
that Watchmen. I will add to it too. I think everybody recognizes that the moments that Snyder captures for uh, or from from the graphic novel, those are all crucial moments. And sometimes these are synthesized moments. You know, Mothman being taken away is not something that appears in the comic book pages. It's a reference in the Hollis Mason thing, etc. But ultimately, ultimately, his version is out of whack with the graphic novel version in a way that I think does not play to the overall story's strengths. But Pete, I guess we'll just have to agree to disagree with the tweeter there. What feedback do you have? To Facebook, Matt, where Miriam Mendez writes in to the Fantastic Geek Facebook page, totally psyched when I discovered your page and your Watchmen podcast. Woohoo! I immediately shared you on my Watchmen fan group, and my members love it. I'm curious now, with Game of Thrones over, Netflix The Witcher is being touted as the next GOT. Will there be a podcast for The Witcher? Just curious. Well, Pete, there's a long list of shows I think that we would like to watch and podcast. Uh, there's also a shorter list of shows, but quite impressive in length nonetheless. Uh, a list that is the shows that we are definitely podcasting, and I think that that list is full up. Indeed, Pete, in... It's it's probably been for two weeks straight that I just keep the tab open in the document that you and I have access to called podcast schedule that runs from this <laughs> month all the way to October 2020, um, in which in which we're we're booked up we're booked up full. Um, December is going to be interesting with Mandalorian, Runaways, Godfriend and Me, Watchmen, and uh, apparently there's a space battle movie as well. Also, you and I may choose to spend time with our uh, respective <laughs> families for one I of those I just got weeks. a dog. <laughs> um, so The Witcher definitely is on our radar to watch. Sorry to say, probably not on our radar to podcast, at least at least now. I mean, maybe that's something that we do, you know. There always can be a looking back at The Witcher once the series has concluded or something like that. So sorry to disappoint on the heels of such praise, but certainly most appreciative of the praise. Yes, want to thank Miriam again, and uh, there's there's two Facebook groups that she's connected with. One is HBO Watchmen fan group, and the other is Watchmen fan HBO TV series group. So either of them worthy additions to your Facebook account. Well, Pete, we've heard there from two listeners. How can people be in touch with you on Twitter to talk Watchmen? You can find me on Twitter at Peter. P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R-10,624. Followers can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the P-H, all one word, like it today. Well, Pete, we will be back soon to talk Watchmen Chapter 4 as we count down TikTok, TikTok ever closer to that October 20th premiere of the series. So with that, I will say take me to Mars to all our listeners and give you the final word. Please, if everybody would just go away and leave me alone. 